0: We're continuing our series now uh, that we're doing on Engage. Um, I, should, uh, I shouldn't I should have jumped to that one. We're doing our series on Engage, and we're really wanting to follow Jesus well, and not, not just that we we know things and think things rightly, but we want to live out our faith, right? We want to be actively engaged in following Him. And so we're talking about the five key spiritual practices to me that are ways that I engage in following Him that really keep my... Heart pointed towards Him and it would keep me away from spiritual drift. And so I already showed you the first one. Do you remember? It was about a month ago. The first of those practices was, starts with a G, and you saw it. It was what? Yeah, it was to grow in my walk, my relationship with Him, to intentionally invest in Him. Um, the second one after that was another G word. Yeah, it was gather, that we, we take community seriously, that we're part of the body, both large and small. I can't make it without my brothers and sisters. Do you remember the third? It was two weeks ago. Another G word related to service. It was gifts, using my gifts and abilities to serve Him and serve the body. And then today we're going to hit the fourth one, which is give. And so look at 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to be in verses 1 to 7. And I invite you to stand. I'm reading out of the NIV. And I'd like you to stand and just listen as I read the Word of God. You can follow along. And Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth. He's going to mention the churches in Macedonia. And I, I don't have time to tell you the history and the culture, what was going on, but the Macedonian believers were living in abject poverty. Abject poverty, which is something none of us know. And just to see the things he says about them. So, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Excel in this grace of giving. And this is the word of the Lord. So you may be seated. Um, I could say a lot about this text. In fact, as I worked on it this week, I like, I'm like, i like, I could do a whole sermon on this. I'm not going to go into all of that as we talk about engaged through giving. Um, but the key thing is, is that really Paul, and this is some of the stuff I was thinking about saying, that Paul through this, what he was really challenging people to um, was to be engaged in their faith by not just giving, but that command to excel at your giving. That really, That word just stood out to me so much. That I steward my financial resources for the sake of God and for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom. And this call to generosity in this text, and really it's all in Scripture, it it flows out of the heart of God. It is who He is. He is radically generous. It is what His heart is. And we know this, I mean, so many Scripture, but if I just picked one, it's probably the most famous verse in the Bible that probably all of us know, or most of us know, right? John 3, 16 for God loved the world in this way that he what he gave his only begotten son in the king james his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life and i want you to think about how amazing that is because this is talking about the god of the universe the one who created and rules over everything The one who is our heavenly Father, who in Psalm 24, we're told, owns everything, okay? Owns everything. That there was only one thing in the whole universe He had one of. Only one thing that He had one of, and that was His Son. And He gave His Son. Isn't that powerful? The generosity that we see in the Father. And it wasn't just the Father on that day showing that generosity, that giving. It was Jesus Himself who embodied that. Um, I referenced this two weeks ago in Mark ten forty five, where Jesus says, I did not come to serve, but to be served, and to, what's the next word? To give. My life is a ransom for many. Just two verses later in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, his poverty, through his poverty, that you, we could become rich. So Jesus gave up the wealth of heaven to make us rich. He was willing to give everything. He gave his all for, all, for us. And I think many people don't realize this, but Jesus gave to church also. Um, the story's in Matthew 17, 24 to 27. We won't go to it. But in that story, we see that Jesus actually gave to the support of the Jewish temple. He gave to the support of the Jewish temple. So if, if Giving is at the core of who He is, and if He puts such a high priority on it, should it not also be as a follower of Him at the core of who I am? 1 John 2.6, which I referenced two weeks ago, um, there it says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In other words, giving is an essential part of discipleship. If I'm going to be His disciple, that I have to do the kinds of things He did. And we're, we're never more like God and we're never more like Jesus than when we are giving generously. Let me show you some things Scripture says about this. In Psalm 37:21, it says this: The righteous give generously. Short but powerful, right? The righteous give generously, and that's why God commands it. I'll just hit a few. Proverbs 3:9 it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. In Matthew 10:38, Jesus said, Freely you have received so freely give. And then the scripture we just read in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. See that you also excel. Would you say that word with me? It's really significant, I think. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So we've been saying it all along as a body. We want to be a body of people that are engaged with God, right? That are engaged with Him. We're walking with Him in that relationship, growing in that We're engaged in community with other people. We're engaged in using our gifts and abilities to serve His body. And we're also engaged by giving generously towards God for Him and for the sake of His kingdom and the advancement of His kingdom. And all of this, and I've been trying to emphasize this in different ways all throughout, it flows from love. It should flow from love. You know what, the first week when I talked about grow and that relationship with God, I said, having a relationship with God is really like any other relationship. I'm not going to go into all that again. But one of the ways that, that having a relationship with God, this is reflected in this idea of giving. Because if you love anybody, if you have close friends, if you have family, do you not give and long to give to the people that you love? Somebody has said that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. Um, just last week, or a week and a half ago, when we went to Port, to Oregon, Pendleton, to see Kieran, um, Ariel and Josue gave us a small gift that we took to give to Kieran, because that's what family does, right? We got there, he was in new offices, and he was showing us around, he had something on his desk, desk, and he said, Dad, look what I bought off eBay for you, and he had bought this for me. It's Mountain Dew, if you can't tell, so... Um, a really old thing that he got off. And, and I could tell how much he was excited to just give me something so little. And I was excited to receive it, not just for the Mountain Dew thing from the 60s probably, but just that the love that's expressed in giving. And so giving and being generous should be, an, an, it's a natural outflow, overflow of my love for God. The two things, they just go hand in hand. And that's why in this text, it says in verse two, that those Macedonians... They gave, their, their giving was, they were overflowing with joy in verse 3 that they gave entirely on their own. They didn't have to be convinced to do it. And in verse 4, it says it was their privilege to give. It's because they loved God and giving flows out of, out of love. So the things, again, go together. So I would say from Scripture, um, to be engaged and to not drift, I need to have a giving heart and I need to give to God for His sake, for the sake of His kingdom. But I also need to give for my own sake, for the sake of my own soul. I referenced this quote two weeks ago, and I'm going to come back to it, by James K.A. Smith, because I think it's a profound thought, that spiritual practices are not just something we do, but the, but the practices, they're practices that actually do something to us. And I said two weeks ago, the service changes me, and giving does the same thing. It enlarges my heart. It profoundly impacts my heart, and that's part of the reason God wants me to give. I mean... Jesus, did you know Jesus talks about money than any other topic in the, in the Gospels? He talks more about money than anything else. Did he talk about it because he needs the money? I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we're told in, in Psalms. He doesn't talk about it because the church needs it. I think the main reason he talks about giving is because he knows I need it. I need it. And he's not trying to raise money and talking about giving. He's trying to raise people up who are generous in their heart like he is and who have open hands with what they have. That's why he talks about giving so much. So I want to talk about giving for a minute, why it's good for my soul. To me, it's good in two ways. It guards my soul, and it grows my soul. And some of these I talked about with service, but they, they apply. Um, the first thing is, is giving guards my soul because it delivers me from myself. I mean, we know, we talked about this with service, my, that me orientation that the sin nature goes to all the time the bent of my heart towards tight-fistedness, towards towards, um, greediness and stinginess, right? That what giving does is it opens my heart and it opens my hands to help move me away from that self-centeredness. Giving also delivers me from the bondage to money and to stuff. And I think we all know what that's like. Paul talks about people who find their security and their significance in money, he says in 1 Timothy 6.10 that their heart ends up being pierced with many griefs because I can never get my ultimate significance nor my ultimate security from money. So it it frees me from that bondage to money and stuff. And the other thing it does is it keeps me from drift, which is kind of a main background behind all of this, and spiritual stagnation. Um, If you remember two weeks ago, I referenced the walk Pat and I took in Colorado along the stream, and this pool that we came upon that was stagnant, that smelled, stunk to high heaven. And again, it was stagnant because water was coming into it, but nothing was going out of it. It was all input, but no output. I mean, you think about that pool, it was receiving, but it was not giving. And that's what happens to our hearts. If we do not give, And all we do is just having money come into our lives, but it's not going out other than expenditures, that we become, we can become spiritually stagnant. God designed us to be channels of blessing, not terminals of it. When he called Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. We're to be a channel. That's why the stream, it's cold, it's crisp, it's clear, it's pure, because there's movement going on with it. Um, that's why somebody has said money is like manure. If you just keep it and let it pile up, it really stinks. But if you spread it out, it ends up giving life. So Jesus calls us to generosity for our own good because, one, it guards my heart, but then also because it grows my heart. It grows my soul. And I, I could highlight a lot of ways. Um, I've thought of a few The first two are like service, and I actually talked about them. The the like service, giving draws me to the heart of God. When talking to the staff about this topic, Lisa Huebner said this, giving will give you a depth of relationship with God that you could never have without it. And I think Jesus says that in Matthew 6.21, where he says, where your treasure is, your heart is going to be there. And so if I'm giving and I'm generous, automatically my heart goes to God. So, it draws me close to Him and to His heart. Giving also grows me because it allows me to invest in eternity, and I talked about this with service. But think about it, the money that you you give to the church and the missions. Next week, we're going to have a baptism. We're going to have three people who have come to faith in Jesus. Their lives have been spiritually impacted, who are going to publicly show that. And as that's happening... We should not just be watching that and celebrating them, but we should be thinking about the fact that the money, the way I gave to the kingdom of God at 12th, helped to, to pay Jordan or other people that were involved in their lives and helped to make that impact, and I get to be a part of them coming to faith in Jesus through my investment. Or the missions conference in two weeks, when we have the missionaries here to know that my giving has impacted the nations way beyond here. Um, I think of the Eichelmans, who we didn't get to emphasize this last year because we kind of found out at the end of the missions conference. They completed the Bible in Nobunob last year. They completed it. Decades they have been working on that. Decades, 12th has been supporting them. And to know that the money I have given towards missions has, among so many other things, has helped put the Word of God in a language of people who never had the Word of God and now for generation upon generation until Jesus comes, they will have the Word of God that I got to be a part of that. Is that not profound? To know that I'm having an eternal investment. And the other way I feel like, again, among others, that that giving grows my heart is it helps to grow me in faith and in trust. I really can't think of a spiritual practice that more level, I mean, that more leverages and helps me to move up levels in my dependence on God than when I'm giving my money, which is a very concrete thing, right, that I feel like I need to live on, Uh, just anyways, when I'm just giving my money, I'm really being dependent on Him to meet my needs and take care of me out of His generosity, so it grows my faith in Him. So, I really hope you see that the giving truly grows my soul, and that's why Jesus asked me to do it. He doesn't need it, but I need it. And that giving truly is the pathway to joy and to true life in him, and that's why Jesus in Acts 20, 35 says, it is more, I mean, we all know this, it is more what? More blessed to give than it is to receive. So, it's living into that reality. So, I've thought a little bit, why do we struggle with giving? What's the barrier? Because we all struggle with it. I've been at different points in my journey where I struggled with it. Um, I think I've told you I grew up in a family with no faith. I never saw them give. I didn't know it was important. And so when I came to Christ, giving was not in my DNA. It was kind of the opposite. I mean, my sin nature, right? Um, and as I've thought about it, there's lots of reasons I think people don't give. But one of the main ones, I think, is there's this fear barrier. This fear barrier. And that fear barrier is really rooted in a scarcity mentality. A view that that I think is natural after the fall that we have, that the universe and the way God's wired it is, is, resources are very scarce, and actually there's not enough for everybody, much less for me. And when I have that scarcity mentality of God and of the universe, it creates that fear barrier that keeps me from being generous. And then what happens is, is I, because I'm afraid there's not enough, I strive to find security in money, Right? And then, when I, and the way I do that is I try to control the money flow and in and out as much as possible. And that makes me greedy and it makes me stingy. I get as much as I can and then I can as much as I get because I really don't believe that I'm going to be taken care of. I mean, that's, it's been that, this has been that way in my heart. Um, And I don't, I wonder how many of us have struggled with that scarcity view of God in particular. I mean, this actually goes back to Genesis 3, I could show you there, that I really am not convinced that God is generous, that God is looking out for my good, that God is going to take care of me. I'm not totally sure of that. I'm not sure he has a generous heart, and I'm afraid that he has scarcity um, in his heart, and that if I give and I'm generous, I'm not certain he's really going to take care of me, Um, like the scripture that Sarah read that was so powerful. So I just want you to know two things about God. Number one, he is a God of abundance. I could read a lot of scripture, but I love 1 Timothy 6.17, where Paul describes God this way. He says, He is the God who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. He richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. And the other thing I want you to know: not only is God a God abundance, but you cannot outgive God's willingness and his ability to provide for you. You can never outgive his willingness and his ability, I would even say his desire to provide for you. Um, Again, Sarah had some really profound scripture. I just want to reference one, Luke 6, 38, which Don, you see read up here about three weeks ago, a month, and was very moved by it. Here's what Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you give, it will be measured to you. That promise of generosity, of of Him giving back to us, of His providing. And if if you struggle with that fear barrier, um, you can read a lot of Scripture, and I think it's important to try to understand God as a God of generosity and abundance. Um, But just that knowledge itself won't do it. Here's what I've learned with things I fear. The most important way to overcome them is with intentionality you have to choose to step into your fear. The very thing you're afraid of doing, you have to do it. And in doing it and God coming through, that's where you start to overcome that fear of that. Um, That's why in Malachi 3.10, the only place in the Bible where God says, test me, is on giving. And he says, you give and you test me on that and see if I won't provide back. So, I really, I just want to challenge, again, myself and all of us, that if I believe in a God of abundance, if I will test Him on that, if I will step into that, through that fear barrier, then I can be generous, and then what happens is I find my security in Him. The security is so long for money that it will never give me. I find in Him, and then because I have that security in Him, I can give up control of what I have, and I can become generous with what I have with open hands. So, practice four of engagement is give. It's honoring God through the stewarding of our resources to His praise and for the sake of His kingdom. That's the challenge, is that we all live with generous hearts. And I've been trying to have somebody up here every week for these, um, and I was thinking, who are some people I think so deeply embody this? And it was Richard and Joanne Gimple. And they are more than willing, so Richard and Joanne, if you could come on up. Um, let's, let's have that conversation. And as they come up, you'll hear, but these guys went to K-State. I mean, they, they come by being K-State fans legitimately. They were, they went there. Not like some of us who illegitimately support our teams that we never went to the school. But, um, they won last night, beat Oklahoma. Yeah. Pretty big deal, huh? Yeah, if... If nothing else convinces you the end of the world isn't near, it's the fact that KU right now is at the top of the Big 12 in football, and Texas is almost at the bottom. Sorry, Carl. It's just, it's just the way things are in the Big 12 this year. But, I mean, who knew? So Jesus must be coming soon, right? Um, <laughs> because that'll never happen again in human history. Um, appreciate you guys being here. I've known these guys a long time, have a deep love for them, and they're, I have grown in my generosity by watching them, experiencing their... We better get to it. Why is it so important to you guys? Because it's so obviously in your DNA.
1: I think there's uh, two things that come to mind. It's, uh, it, it's recognizing that uh, it's important to God. It's through, as you just said, it's all throughout Scripture. And so there's the my obedience to that is required because it's in His Word. And the other important thing is stewardship, that the idea, the understanding that God owns it all, and so He He owns it all. My role, our role, is to be a a good steward of that of His resources. And uh, what I I love the Matthew 25 uh, parable of the talents, where there were two servants that were given different uh, 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 talents, different money, to uh, be faithful with, and they they invested them, but uh, but they <clears throat> they received a commendation uh, for their faithfulness, even though there was different levels of. of money and abilities and so from that tells me that my role is to be faithful a faithful steward whether i have much Mm. or whether i have little yeah it's it's not it's not about how much it's
0: about faithfulness with what we have yeah and like you had said first service that we talked that commendation was exactly the same for both didn't matter how much I know also as we've talked, you've talked about that blessed to be a blessing concept. Um, And how does that tie into... Well,
1: well, it's, it's, Joanne and I recognize that it's, uh, that we are blessed, and it's not for our, it's not just for us, it's we're blessed to be a blessing to others, and so... And it's just part of what we remind
0: ourselves
1: about is we're in various situations of, uh,
0: you know, it's hard
1: to be a blessing.
0: Yeah. And, Joanne, this, this got planted in you guys' DNA way back at K-State, right? Explain Yeah, that. that's
2: right. Uh, we met at K-State. We were students at K-State. And uh, we met in the Navigators ministry, which is similar to Christian Challenge. And uh, so we were taught there very foundational principles, a lot of the stuff that we hear from Garrett week in and week out, our responsibilities, our, you know, the grow, the gather, you know, all of them, getting in the word. But one of those was our responsibility of giving. And so we were taught that even before we were married and then as we were married and recognized, you know, we got to figure out, we got to figure out how to do some of this. And... uh because we did want to re- respond to that. We did want to support our church missionaries and all.
0: Yeah. You know, I had referenced earlier Psalm 3, 9, where God says, honor me with your wealth. And it says, give me the first fruits. Um, that idea that, that every month that my giving is the first thing I do, which sounds a little scary, but... Um, why, speak briefly, why is that important to you guys? It, I know it has been, so why is that? Well, <clears throat> I think it's uh, recognition
1: that uh, uh, that God provided it, and so what's my responsibility, what's our responsibility? And uh, so giving from the f- first, uh, making it a priority to give uh it, is a, it's fundamentally important because if we don't do that, what we end up doing is trying to give from what's left over, yeah. and that that is difficult. So making it a priority to give. To give and to save, uh, from for us as a wage earner, it was giving from our gross, uh, setting a, a giving from our gross amount and trying to do that with intentionality
0: yeah and it grows your faith doesn't it that giving at the beginning always first thing
2: yeah definitely because you know there were we're we're old now but there were very lean years (laughs) and and so you know trying to learn how to be responsive to that and uh, setting that as the the top Instead of waiting to see, well, we pay this, 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 and this, and what's left over? Can we? And so, yeah, it was really important to have that first.
0: Yeah. I know you guys, and I know you value intentionality. I talk a lot about that. How did you intentionally build that, like, giving first into your life? What?
1: like I said, first service uh, for those of you, <clears throat> you're probably not going to want to hear that the answer to that because <laughs> it's uh, budgeting uh, <clears throat> when we didn't have an example of uh, from our parents of budgeting or giving per se, and so, as we started off that first year of marriage, we Developed a budget, and uh, we quickly found that trying to get to give at a 10% level was uh, not quite where we (coughs) could do, (coughs) excuse me, could do initially. But uh, the budget allowed us to make a priority of giving and saving, and over time, and being Intentional about it, we increased that giving to where we could get to the ten percent level.
0: Yeah, so that budget helped you just automatically giving off the top and then savings. And so interestingly, even the discipline of saving ended up impacting giving. How did that work out?
1: Uh, well, it's it was a long time coming. I guess Joanne and I are at the stage in life now where. We're, we're retired, and uh, we now see that the the purpose, the intentionality of saving over time has got us to the, a place, this stage of our life, where we can give more than we ever imagined possible. Yeah, and so the delayed gratification of of uh, purposeful uh, sa- savings got us to a point, and with God's blessing and God's provisions, got us to the point of where
0: we can give now more than we ever. Yeah, more than ever. Yeah. So, you've, in that giving, you've experienced some of the benefits of giving, how, how we are more blessed. Joanne, like what for you stands out?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is a joy and a peace, because we know we're being obedient, so the Lord really puts that peace in our hearts, um, a confidence that we're following what he calls us to do, a contentment, a, a contentment with where we are, you know, as, as our culture tends to drive us to always want more, bigger, better, those types of things, to just scale that down and to make some choices or some decisions that um, what's enough and what's okay and, and what's comfortable. We are a super blessed society above and beyond so so many people and and just to to be careful that we don't feed into that so the the joy the peace contentment
1: and uh, just to acknowledge part of what you mentioned just earlier Garen uh, it's an investment into eternity you know we we can't all go to the no-ba-no people, uh, uh, but we can use the resources that God's given us to steward and give to, to those things and, and see the and feel
0: the joy of the investment in what yeah. God's doing. And you found joy in one other place?
2: Yeah, one, one other thing is seeing our kids catch the vision too. And now our grandkids and sharing that with them and just the excitement of them giving and, uh, again, setting it as a a top priority. Yeah. Yeah. That's big.
0: And all along, you've always seen God meet your needs, right? He never. Yeah. Yeah, at times
1: when we weren't sure how it was going to happen, but uh, we could look back and see. God was faithful. He provided when we couldn't see where it was going to come from, and uh, you know there's great, great joy in that and confidence that He will provide.
2: Yeah, I think, I think He. Thank you. <laughs> I think He provides, but but He also might change our minds, our hearts too, if we need to refocus so that maybe figure out what our needs truly are, too. Yeah.
0: Okay. This goes against giving, goes against our, the sin nature that we all struggle with, right? Um, and so sometimes thinking about that is hard. If you were to give a final challenge, Joanne, to somebody that's like, wow, okay, how should I step into that? What would you say?
2: Take one tiny step. Figure out where you are and figure out what, what is God calling me to that next step, you know, and pray that God will convince you um you know um Garen can throw out this challenge, but it 's the Lord who has to convince mm-hmm. you of of what uh what He might be calling you to do so yeah just just keep taking those steps
1: yeah. and uh, I would just add that the it 's our responsibility to take those steps you know, it's an act of obedience that uh, we are to be faithful and uh, look at what his word says, to be obedient to that, and, and take those tiny steps and watch him provide. Yeah, very good.
0: Can we give them some honor for coming up and sharing their story? I value you guys, and I value you guys doing that, so thank you. Yeah, a few years ago, uh, thankfully the Chiefs played tonight but I'm getting up, getting to where we're landing this thing. Pat and I did a weekend retreat with some people in his body that was called A Journey of Generosity. And um, it was excellent, and it challenged Pat and I to even up our giving game more. Um, And the challenge that we came away with specifically was this, was to strive to live sufficiently and give extravagantly. That was really put on our heart. And you know, we're all on a journey with this, but that's my challenge to all of us today is to, to we want to, as Paul says, we want to excel at giving. So can I live sufficiently so that I can give extravagantly? Um, and I want to get concrete for just a minute. Um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but according to the Bible, Richard mentioned it. The baseline in our giving is, is a tie that's 10 percent. And I know the first time people hear that, it shocks them. It shocked me the first time I heard it. I'd never given it in my life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, But let me just, let me just throw out something in, that, in regards to that, that 10% baseline that God gives. Um, a different way of thinking about it. If you think of yourself as a steward whom God has the resources He gives to you to leverage instead of an owner of what you have, it really does make sense. Imagine like you as a family or something had, lost your income and had no way. And I said, I will gladly help you. I will give you $50,000 a year to live on. I only have one thing I want to ask, and the thing I ask is this. I want you to take 10%, I want you to take 5,000 of that, give it back to me, because I want to use that to bless other people for larger things, and the other 45,000, I mean, that's for you to live on. I mean, would you think like, oh my gosh, this is a stingy person or anything, or would you be like, no, no, I'm so thankful that you're willing to help me to live, I'm happy to just give 10%. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Makes That's what total sense to me about how, that that's how it works. So I want to give you, offer you a tool that's been helpful for me in my own journey into generosity, and as I continue to try to grow into that. It's from a man named Nelson Searcy, and he created it. It's called the Generosity Ladder. I've adapted a little bit of it, but as I do this ladder here in a second, it's not about brownie points. It's not about getting points with God. It's not about I get closer to God the higher up I am in this ladder. Um, it's really about two things. It's about me. Um, it's about helping me to evaluate where am I in my giving and generosity, and it also help, was helpful for me in giving me concrete ways to think about what are next steps for me to grow in my own journey and generosity. So here's the ladder, and as I read through these, um, I really just want to ask you to locate yourself on that ladder. Nobody. Raise your hand. Nobody say anything, but I want you to locate yourself. The, the bottom rung, the initial one, is what's called the initial giver. It's one who decides to give for the first time out of response to God's Word and God's vast generosity. I'm just wondering, I mean, again, no hands or anything, but I'm just wondering how many of you would actually say that for me? That's my next step in generosity is that initial giver. And then comes the emerging giver. It's one who gives but does so without intentionality and in an inconsistent manner. So I'm just curious, how many of us are on that emerging rung right now? And then there's the consistent giver. It's one who decides to begin to give consistently on a weekly or monthly basis so that I can exercise that muscle of giving and grow my heart. So that's the next one. How many of us, that that's what would describe where we're at with our giving right now? His next rung is the intentional giver. It's one who regularly, who gives regularly, but less than 10%. They haven't hit that baseline. So they decide to intentionally seek to move towards 10% giving by prioritizing how they spend their money. So I'm curious, how many of us would say, that's the rung that I'm on? And then his next one is what's called the faithful giver. It's one who regularly and faithfully gives 10% of their income. You've got to that point, and that's where you're at. How many of you would say, that's where I'm at with my giving? He has another one called extravagant giver. It's one who gives above 10%. They've reached that baseline, but they continue to look for ways to increase their giving to more fully serve God's kingdom. So how many of you would say, that's where I'm at with my giving? And then the final one is the legacy giver. And this is a, this is a rare one. Um, I doubt I'll ever be here to this place. Um, but it's people that God has gifted with much, generally. And the legacy giver is one who determines to, over time, to increase their standard of giving rather than their standard of living. To get to the point, the eventual point, where they give more towards the kingdom than they actually keep towards themselves. You ever heard of Laterno Laterno University in Texas. He owned like, um, like equipment for digging and stuff, construction, if I remember right. I'm not certain of that, but I think so. He got to the point, he was a legacy giver, that he lived on 1% of his income and gave 99% away. He, I'm not saying we all have to do that, right? I'm never going to be able to do that, but he was a legacy giver. So I'm just curious how many of us would say we're at that legacy giving point so I'm just curious, knowing where you are, which rung you're on, um, what's God saying to you this morning? What, what's, what's He challenging with you to do? Um, and again, I'm on a journey, I think He calls it on a journey to, to greater generosity, and so what's, what's my next step to live into that? What's my next step? And my challenge is that, is that you start and be on a lifelong journey into greater generosity. Um, I, will prob- I will never be a legacy giver. I mean, I don't know. God may do something, but um, I'm not likely to get there. Um, but I can work towards being a faithful giver. I can work towards being an extravagant giver. Um, if you're one who consistently gives 10%, maybe it's like, Lord, maybe I just need every year, I'm just going to up at 1% and just give more to your kingdom, something like that. Maybe you're not that, to that 10% yet. This is even new, and you're like, oh, my gosh, right? Um, and you're sitting here with big eyes today. I know that zero to 10 is the hardest move to make. So I just want to challenge you. I agree with Joanne. Think, think baby steps. How many of you saw the movie, What About Bob? A few of us, pretty funny movie, by the way. Um, it's all about baby steps. So if you're like right now, I don't give at all, then think about maybe next year 2%. I'm just going to do 2% of my income. Maybe you're at four and you're just like, I'm going to go up to 5 or 6% um, to get to that 10% baseline. Again, if I'm at 10, maybe I'm, I need to start going over that. Um, that's between you and God. That's what Joanne said. But just remember, it's about baby steps. That A journey of a thousand miles always begins with that first step. Um, but it's just about trying to live into the blessed life that Jesus calls us to, to being generous people. So just curious, how is God speaking to you this morning? I've been asking this during this whole series. How is he challenging you? Um, I just, I just want to give you a minute just lay your life beside this scripture. Just, that's what I, every week I'm just saying, lay your life beside the scripture. This call to excel, to excel at the grace of giving. And so just take, for, take a minute and just um, ask God, like, Lord, how are you speaking to me this morning? I, I just don't know. Maybe he's encouraging, challenging, but just take a minute in prayer and talk to God. I don't know what Jesus would say to us, but I really think his invitation to us would be something like this. I gave everything for you. I gave you my all. And all I ask is for a generous heart back. Would you be willing to step out on this, climb out on this limb with me and become generous and trust me with your life and see if I won't meet your every need and meet you there and really lead you through that to the truly blessed and full life. Okay, I want to end with a video, and then we're going to pray. Um, It's pretty brief, but it's of a believing community of people in India who were very much like the church in Macedonia, living in abject poverty, and I just want you to see how they lived into a life of generosity.
3: Lalrua lives in a tiny remote village in Mizoram. Her family sustains on a meager income of less than $1 a day. Despite abject poverty, simple women like Lalrua are spearheading a revolution that is sweeping the world of missions. Their movement, Bufai Thang or a handful of rice. Bhu Tam is a practice where each Mizo family puts aside a handful of rice every time they cook a meal and later gather it and offer it to the church. The church in turn sells the rice and generates income to support its work. Rice has been the staple food of the people of Mizoram. You are giving what is basic, essential, fundamental to your life. You are sharing that with God. With the passage of time, people have given more than rice, vegetables, firewood, cereals, and their regular tithes, empowering the church to be self-sufficient. Mizoram State is the most backward state in India. And we are the poorest of the poor. But still, we can raise funds for the Ministry of the Lord. At the close of this last fiscal year, we received altogether around 13 million U.S. dollars. Out of that, 12% of our total income is from a handful of rice collection. With 1,800 missionaries in India and many overseas, the Mizoram Church is known as a missionary church world over. This success is attributed to their selfless and creative giving. It is not our richness or our poverty that make us serve the Lord, but our willingness. So we Mizoram people say as long as we have something to eat every day, we have something to give to God every day. Isn't that
0: powerful. That church, there's a longer video. They not only self-support their own church in a very poor year, but they support missionaries all over India. And I didn't even say first service. Poor people in their community who are lacking food, you saw the big boxes of rice in the church, will actually come there and they give rice to people who have need. Isn't that really powerful? A place of abject poverty. We live a place of such great richness and riches, right? So let us excel at this grace of giving. Would you stand with me? Um, I want to close with a prayer. And if you guys could bring it up, because I left the clicker back there, um, I would like you to pray this with me. So would you join me? Lord, isn't your creation liberal? Fruits never equal the seedling's abundance. Springs scatter water. The sun gives out enormous light. May your bounty teach me greatness of heart. May your magnificence stop my stinginess. Seeing you, a generous and open-handed giver, let me give without limitation, like a king's son, like God's son. Can we add, like God's daughter? Like God's daughter. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and we all say what? Amen. So, Lord, please give us generous hearts. Free us from the bondage to our stinginess and our greediness. Help us to see ourselves as your stewards, um, to live out of gratitude for what you've given and that we would become a blessing to people and it wouldn't just stop with us. Um, make us those kinds of people in everything, in our words, in our attitudes, um, with our income. And Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, 12th, you are sent to come back tonight for a fish fry. Um, so we'll see you tonight. And, but yeah, you are sent to be generous people.